Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome to the podcast. can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Now, here's your host, Dan Celia. Welcome back Financial Issues. I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. Uh, 610-363-1110. There are phone lines. We will try to get to calls. We have a lot of information, though, to cover. And let's just take a look at that. Very, very interesting here this morning. Uh, the ADP job numbers came out. The ADP job, the ADP job numbers well off what they were expecting. They were expecting somewhere around 600 um, private sector payrolls coming out of ADP. Uh, we got 374,000 uh, far short of the 600,000 they were expected. And we didn't have a great number. Well, we had a pretty good number last month. Now, uh, generally, the ADP numbers and the government number, which comes out Friday, are usually pretty far apart. <clears throat> ADP uh, job numbers are a kind of a cross-section as opposed to any kind of actual payrolls. I mean, uh, this is a company that does an enormous amount of private sector payrolls for American corporations, including some very, very large Fortune 50 companies. So they have a pretty good um, idea of what is happening. And right now the idea is uh, what is happening is not what we all wish was happening, unfortunately. So it looks like things are not picking up as expected. So we're going to watch that very closely. But the interesting part this morning was um, it didn't impact at all the futures market. So the Dow future, uh, the futures in general were all in positive territory for the first day of the last quarter. And everything is still up. As a matter of fact, if anything, some may have ticked up a little bit more. The S&P yesterday closed for the seventh month in a row in positive territory. That's very good, obviously, but everything was up for the month. All the major indices closed positive for the month. Uh, oil is up as well right now. Oil is sitting up uh, slightly, but it's a 68.59 
a barrel. Watch that and continue to see what happens as we head into um, the real uh, final driving um, weekend, we'll say, uh, holiday weekend, uh, headed into Labor Day, long weekend. And we'll see how prices go up. We won't have another real heavy driving week until we get to the heaviest driving um, holiday, Thanksgiving. So um, we'll watch that. We'll see what gasoline prices do. The financials are all up. Um, I, I, I really have tried this morning early to make some sense of it. I got a little uh, preoccupied this morning with um, Deutsche Bank and uh, Bank Bank Italia, a couple other banks in in uh, Germany, France, and Italy. So I got a little preoccupied with um, some things that's you know not not worth me talking about, but was very interesting to me and gives me some indication of where things might be going. So I got a little preoccupied there with some of that and I didn't spend as much time on on uh, some of this that I would have liked or hoped for but it is very interesting as we look at these numbers to see where things in fact are and you know everything as I said not moving a whole lot pretty amazing <clears throat> So we'll continue to watch it. Lots going, lots going on, obviously. A lot of protests going on over the restrictive or the rational, I'll call it, uh, Texas abortion law that takes effect um, since the Supreme Court makes no move to block it. There was a petition to block the heartbeat bill in Texas, meaning there cannot be any abortions uh, where a heartbeat is found and doctors um, will lose licenses and be fined and there's going to be lots of ramifications. So I don't know if since it is a state law that the federal Supreme Court would act on that, I would say likely not. So this is a huge win for pro-life and we're excited to see that or hope that it holds and um, it's, it's very interesting. Of, of course, this is going to heat up the argument and discussion going on in Texas, going on in the legislative uh, body of America over the election laws that were also put in place in Texas. Remember, you'll remember the Democrats left the state. Of course, their wages were being held. They were facing fines if they didn't return. They finally returned, of course. Don't mess with their money. So they finally returned. A vote was made. The liberals lost. And there's going to be uh, election reform in Texas. They don't like it because it is fair and because it is going to stop well, I shouldn't say that. It's not going to stop. But it is going to deter the uh, massive amount of election fraud. So just reasonable. This is just a reasonable 
election law. Little things like, do you have ID? Are you an American citizen? Are you eligible to vote? Is this your polling place? All those kinds of things. So um, it, it'll be interesting, and hopefully this will continue to happen, at least through the conservative states. I don't care about every state in the country right now because I don't think we can afford to care. We know it's not going to happen in the liberal states. I would also point out that yesterday, I believe it was Wisconsin, I may be wrong, 85,000 ballots are missing as they know they are about to get audited. So, just missing. By the way, they will never be found. In all likelihood, they were put in a fire someplace. So, um, you know, all this as, look, what's important is right now, I mean, we've got to worry and concentrate and focus on what we can control. And that is the states that are red to make sure that they stay red. Then we need to move on to a lot of other areas. There apparently continues to be uh, outrage, as there should be, over Afghanistan uh, and what has happened there. Um, Biden made a, a speech that was uh, that was ridiculous. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it meant uh, anything. It was just so un- irrational and didn't make any sense and was not reality of the situation at all. Um, There are some videos floating out there of the Afghanistans looking at piles of cash um, with um, bills wrapped very methodically. Looks like it had been shipped there with the storehouse of weapons that they are sorting through and going over and handing out as necessary to the fighting forces. Um, also you will know is that the military left all the canine soldiers over there to be shot and killed. They did not bring their canine that have saved thousands of American lives between them. They left them there to be shot uh, by the Taliban. Can you imagine the outrage of that from the left if that had been Republicans that did that? For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'd like to taste a real Italian coffee, please. What is the real Italian coffee? Espresso. You mean black coffee? In a capsule? Cappuccino. Ah, the real Italian coffee. Yes, Lavazza. Enjoy an authentic taste of Italy with every sip. From the rich and full-bodied flavor of Lavazza Classico to the finest varieties of Arabica beans of Lavazza Qualità Oro. Lavazza, more than Italian. Presenting sponsor of the Italian Contemporary Film Festival. 
Welcome back, 610-363-1110. You know, I want to I want to thank everybody for um, their coming alongside us. Here we are. We start the first day of September. This is the uh, last month of our fiscal year, and we are praying and hoping that God will um, continue to raise up. And, and you know, yesterday, um, I, I'm not uh, sure all that I said and everything that I talked about, I kind of go as I do if I have an opportunity to preach. I let the Lord lead, and I, and I don't often remember every word that I said. Um, but you'll see some of what I said in a commentary uh, that I wrote that, that um, uh, with the help of uh, Trinity Cardinal, who needs to get some credit for that, um, but was based on some of my commentary yesterday, and that'll be on the uh, news site. You you really want to? I would I would ask you, I would really ask you that you would please, please copy the link to that article. So you would go to fism. TV, click on the news tab, or go to fism. TV slash news. Find the article. It's not up there yet. I'm assuming it isn't because I asked Trin to text me when it was posted. So um, when it's, <laughs> excuse me, when it's up there, I'll know, I'll let you know. But when it's there, go there. I, I, am, I am begging you, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, that you would send the link. So you click on the article to open it so that you can read it. Then go up there in the... Um, the, the web address thing and click on that link and save it, copy it. And then you open an email in your normal email browser. You paste in the link to the article and you send it to everybody you know. Local news agencies, local newspapers, local radio stations, local, um, your congressional offices, you can send it to your friends and your family um, to read. And I hope you'll do that because uh, it is so important. I am not, it is not going to be, I don't, I don't believe it is. I, I'm, I'm not doing what I used to do. You know, I used to send things to news media and 95% of the time they would publish it but they would publish it late. Uh, they would publish it well after uh, it was written. And what was happening is it's making me look bad, like, wow, talk about late. So um, I, I, I just stopped doing that. We have our own news site, and that's where I put it, or that's where it's going to be put. So check it out as we will continue to do that every week. And I, I would just ask you, you can... Here's a way you can help the ministry, help our work, but help America without costing you a penny. You don't have to make a donation to do it. Just do it. And we would ask you that you will do that. And I hope you'll do that in any of the articles there that you, you believe are need to get a, a bigger voice. You, again, can continue to be collaborators with God and us. This is God's ministry. You can collaborate with uh, the two of us, God and financial issues, and you can be a, a, a real part 
of a movement that is going on and growing in strength. But we need God's people to help us do that. And I'm not afraid to say that. So I, I appreciate that. I Yesterday, you know, it's awfully hard for me to ask, and I said that. So I got this email from somebody. I hope he doesn't mind me reading it. Um, I won't say his last name, and I won't say what state he's from because I don't know what state he's from. Uh, it was an email. Uh, his name was Kirk, and he says, God is able to make all grace abound in every partner of FISM, giving each partner a sufficiency in their own needs and an abundance for the good work of FISM. God supplies seed to the partners of FISM and he multiplies it in order to increase the righteous ministry of FISM, which produces thanksgiving to God. Well, be anxious for nothing. Let your request, he's talking to me now directly, be anxious for nothing. Let your request be made known to God and your partners. God knows what FISM needs. Your partners don't. Look forward to the end of September, meaning the end of our fiscal year, um, to see what God is doing. I, he, I don't think I told him I was going <laughs> to read this, but uh, when I when I thanked him for encouraging me, but. I love what he what he said. The seed to the partners of FISM. It is seed that God is supplying. God is supplying our partners and our listeners that aren't partners with seed as a result of what we do here. That seed is being multiplied as we hear over and over again. And it is in order to increase the righteousness or the righteous ministry of financial issues, which produces thanksgiving to God. I just love that. And boy, I'll tell you, um, I hope someday in glory, God would say to Kirk, truer words were never spoken. I mean, it is just really, uh, it's so true from a biblical perspective, not from a perspective of Kirk's uh, understanding of God's word, but of the word itself. It is a very true and honest perspective of what God does with the seed that he gives us. But you know how many of us refuse to plant it? And when we plant it, even if it's an abundant harvest, we don't want to share it. We'd rather hoard it. We'd rather build a bigger silo. And I'm just asking that you might 
help us. And I love what he said. God knows what FISM needs. Your partners don't. In other words, I need to tell them. I need to share with our partners, which I am horrible at doing and I am going to try to get better. But I thank some of you for your response. I thank you on the air by name yesterday for the response. And we're still getting some of that response. Um, One of the things that's very, very interesting uh, this morning, I realize how many people do, in fact, just listen to the podcast, at least the first hour, uh, or listen to the replay of shows late at night through CSN and other work. I I get an idea of how many of, uh, how much of that happens because of the outpouring, again, uh, that was, that I saw this morning. So I just thank all of you. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you understanding uh, what I don't understand, really, uh, my reluctance to ask. But uh, I am asking, I am asking you from the bottom of my heart and with all my heart that you would step up if the Lord is asking you to do so. I'm not asking you to just step up and give to financial issues, to the platform that you receive so many other worthy um, ministries that we partner with that, that fulfill our mission of faith, family, and America. But because we want to keep the platform alive and well and healthy and God's work alive and well and healthy as God's instruments, I am asking you and telling you that we have a need this before the end of this fiscal year. And I'm asking you humbly, reluctantly, and um, uncomfortably for you to step in and, and uh, help the work that God is doing here. And we uh, not only greatly appreciate it, but um, we are in need. And um, it, this seems somewhat meaningless and seems somewhat um, maybe insignificant to some. It is not something I do uh, so that I can say I do it. I do it because I feel a deep obligation to do it. And um, as silly as it sounds, maybe to some, all those donors, I flag and I save, and they're on my list here. And this morning, and I did last night as well, put that list in front of me on the computer screen, and I just prayed for each and every one of you that gave, that God would give you recognition of the work that you have done in the name of Christ. And um, I pray for your health and your strength, your wisdom and your boldness. And I will do that again tonight as I've been doing for the last, I want to say, 10 years for sure. So I do uh, appreciate it, and I don't say that, and I don't take it lightly. I didn't filter out the people that gave $10 and only put in the people that gave 
a certain amount up. You know me, I would never do that. And I don't look at it as that. I believe God nudges people that can do a lot to do a lot. And God nudges those who can do a lot in their minds and in their hearts and in their abilities to do what they can do. And it may not appear as a lot to those who gave a lot, but it appears as a lot to me, regardless of the amount. Because I believe it's what God has asked you to do. So it is your obedience that you will be blessed for, not your giving just a financial issue, but the obedience if he has nudged you that you would feel called to give. All right, thank you. We'll be right back. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, welcome back. Financial Issues. I'm Dan Seward. It's great to be here. Well, um, we've got Twyla Braze with us. Uh, as you know, cchfreedom.org. You know Twyla. She is um, a, a great friend of our ministry, and uh, we appreciate the work that she is doing in her ministry. And uh, Twyla has been a um, solid uh, contributor to financial issues. I don't know for how long, but a very long time, maybe 10 years. I, I, don't, I don't know, but uh, a very, very long time. And uh, you all appreciate Twyla very much. You support her work, cchfreedom.org, at cchfreedom.org. If you're new to the show, if you don't do anything else, make sure you check out that, check out that website. Um, also, uh, some of you, some of our listeners, Financial Issues listeners, have gone to support Twyla in her billboard uh, campaign and in in Texas, in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, uh, Wisconsin, Idaho, uh, Minneapolis, and other places. And uh, we're, we're uh, I'm so grateful to all of uh, the FISM folks that have participated in helping her because it is so important. Twyla, welcome. Thanks so much, Dan. Glad to be here. Twyla, there's a, a long, long laundry list of, uh, or a dirty laundry list of things 
that uh, we could be talking about. We want to try to touch on a lot of that, but a couple of new things happened in reference to HSS and, and Medicare. Fill us in on what is going on. Medicare, I know what they're doing as far as where they are, uh, primarily because of the Biden administration and some of the debt that we're taking on. Uh, the same holds true. I saw the report because I was interested in the social Social Security analysis of all of that, which is saying that Social Security is going to run out of money in 12 years um, in, in lieu of 13 years that it was at the beginning of this year. So uh, and Medicare in the same predicament. Right. So Medicare uh, will not be able to pay all its bills starting in 2026, which is just five years from now. And so it could be perhaps that they'd only be able to pay 80% of their bills. But what that really means at the end of the day is that um, there will be less care provided to people. And so because, you know, it's just going to cause rationing. That's what's going on here. And that's one of the reasons, of course, that we wanted to free people from uh, Medicare and give them an option to be outside Medicare, particularly those who aren't dependent on it, so that we could move into uh, in health insurance, real health insurance, um, you know, into the future for 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 all Americans. And then the and then the, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, Tawana. I was going to say the second thing is that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced a brand new office of climate change and health equity. And there's nothing good that is going to come out of that office. Climate change and health equity are two points of the same spear, you might say, to get us towards socialism and eventually communism. The idea that all of our health is being impacted by racism or by the climate, and it has to all come under control. And so this is this is not... This is not unexpected because they've been moving this direction for a long time, but it's not good. And it does show you where the Biden administration wants to take us. Well, and this is just, again, another bureaucracy that is going, that bureaucrats um, will be using. Uh, my wife went into a store yesterday and she, she was told that the CDC says you have to wear a mask in the store. Now, um, the CDC, I guess it won't be long before the CDC has badges and carries law enforcement uh, weaponry in order to enforce law. I mean, it, this is the CDC. I, it is hard to believe how much power they think they have and we'll continue to try to exercise. And now we're going to have HHS with a very similar kind of power that they are going to yield. And bureaucrats are going to be making uh, life-changing decisions for all of us in another five years. Yeah, and so I, I do think that probably that store, it's possible that they think that the CDC has said that, but in fact, the CDC cannot say that because they cannot mandate masks anywhere, and even Biden knows that. But either somebody in the store thinks because they've recommended it that it's a requirement, or somebody's just being, you know, taking an opportunity here to try and get everybody to wear masks because that's what they want. Right. Because the CDC can't actually do that under federalism and under the Constitution. No, we know that. And that's what's so annoying that they are, um, you know, there are places and it's very rare to see something like that happen in Florida. But nonetheless, that's what's, uh, you know, the, there's always going to be a few people. 
My wife did not wear the mask. Um, she saw a guy standing there on the cell phone talking without a mask on, so she wasn't about to put her mask on. But nonetheless, it is, uh, it is amazing what is happening. And uh, we're concerned about, I, one of the things that I did want to mention is the lawsuit win in the state of Ohio, hoping that becomes more and more contagious. Tell us about that. So the, um, the um, a family sued because they wanted ivermectin and the hospital refused to give them ivermectin. And so they got it all the way up to a judge who said they had to give the patient ivermectin. Unfortunately, by the time this happened, the patient was on the ventilator. Now, it's not impossible for ivermectin to help you get off of the ventilator, but ivermectin really should be given in the early stages. That said, I heard a story about somebody who is in day 18, but not in the hospital, uh, of COVID and took ivermectin and was better in two days and up and doing mowing the lawn. So, you know, it really does depend on your own biology, how the ivermectin is going to work, but it is known for being good for early treatment, and that's where it has to happen. The interesting thing about this case is how every mainstream media just um, just went after this lawsuit, and they talked about how um, this patient was now going to be uh, given medication that is for horses and cows. Well, this is complete lunacy because ivermectin, which has been given a Nobel Prize, has been around for about 40 some years, uh, four decades, and it's been used for patients all across the world uh, that have different types of parasites. And it's been called a wonder drug that has all sorts of things, other things that it can do, and and no one ever seems to get immune to it, which makes it a real wonder drug. So, you know, this is just like the mainstream media going off on the government narrative to get everybody vaccinated and to make everybody afraid of something that could actually save their life. So is it true that the FDA said don't take it? Or is that something the media is portraying as being said that the FDA said? So probably about maybe two weeks ago, the FDA came out with a an alert saying, don't take ivermectin, it's not safe, blah, 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 blah. And then this lawsuit happened, and now it is the media talking about how it's uh, medication for horses and cows. So it's kind of a, it's a combination uh, thing going on here. The FDA definitely put out an alert against the use of ivermectin. And we and but no alerts against using now Fed FDA approving a vaccine that has not going through gone through any of the rigorous testing that any other vaccine has gone. And there's some people at the FDA that are upset over that, aren't there? Well, yes, there are two people, two main people who have long worked at the FDA who just announced yesterday or the day before that they are going to be leaving the FDA, and they are perturbed with how Biden has gotten ahead of the FDA and is saying things like, we're going to get boosters to everybody when the FDA hasn't actually said that that's necessary. So clearly there's some angst. One of the uh, women who's head of a division has been there for 30 some years and is considered a huge loss to the FDA, which shows you how much angst is happening within the FDA. But the FDA approval, uh, your uh, people just need to understand this. The wording is very interesting. They are approving Pfizer's Comirnaty 
vaccine, which has only been used in Europe. And they do say in this that it's not quite exactly like the Pfizer vaccine here in the United States, which is still under emergency use authorization. So we don't even know if the Comirnaty vaccine is going to be given here, and that's the one that has gotten the approval. So this is a very fine parsing of mm. words going on here in the FDA as to, so probably most people who are getting Pfizer are, are still getting the one under emergency use authorization. And even if it gets approval, the approval of Comirnaty has 13 required studies in it, including six of them having to do with cardio um, um, myocarditis uh, and the inflammation of the heart. And so this is interesting, right? So, so it gets approved and it has 13 required studies showing that the FDA is very concerned in particular about heart inflammation. So, you know, what is an approval here really? <laughs> it's not saying it's safe or, or effective. It, it's really not. So what about the safe and, and efficacy of the shot uh, when we are seeing the vaccinated, particularly like in a country of Israel where everybody's been vaccinated, getting sick and some are even dying? Right. So this, and, now, and now they're given a booster to something right. that they've said doesn't work? I, I don't... Uh, I'm so... I don't know. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I, you know what? Wait a minute. Before you answer that, Twyla, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till after this break, and we'll come back and we'll answer that. Folks, I, I'm speaking to Twyla Braze. Twyla is founder, president of CCH Freedom, Citizens Council, uh, cchfreedom.org. I hope you will subscribe to the newsletter. It doesn't cost anything, and support her work. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go, and for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Twyla Brace, cchfreedom.org, is with us, president founder of cchfreedom.org. She exists to uh, protect us, to uh, be an advocate for us. So many People don't have advocates. They don't even know where to begin. Well, you begin with cchfreedom.org. And Twyla works hard. 
her and her staff and the people that she has connections with working hard to inform us with true and factual information. And um, we, we need to make sure that that stays healthy and strong and that she's able to do that. Twyla, we were uh, getting ready to <clears throat> talk about um, the, the whole notion of people getting sick uh, maybe even dying after they have COVID, yet they're still calling it a breakthrough. Um, I, I don't know if it's a breakthrough, then it really wasn't a vaccine maybe. But you were about to comment on that. Well, what I was going to say is that uh, the government finally is acknowledging the waning effectiveness of this so-called vaccine. Now, as a reminder, and I've said this before, a vaccine is supposed to prevent uh, the infection. And of course, it was never made to prevent the infection. And now they're finding out how um, how very short-lived the so-called vaccine actually is when it comes to protection. Now, there is one study that says um, that it... Um, Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm ahead of myself here. I'll tell you a separate study about natural natural immunity. So natural immunity has been found to be immensely, immensely more protective than anything that you're going to get from this injection. Uh, I believe it is 13 times more effective at preventing you from um, getting a reinfection. Now, the people who are getting the vaccines are having large breakthroughs. In other words, large numbers of people, like in England, I think it is, or maybe it's Ireland, I forget. Uh, but one of them, it's, uh, no, it's Israel. That 50, Israel, yeah. 50, yeah, 50% yeah, of the people who are in the, uh, who are getting the, the infection have been vaccinated. So now they have started to do boosters, but even people with boosters are getting the infection. And yet if you have natural immunity, which is really not a danger to anyone under 60, unless they've got comorbidities, they're obese, they've got diabetes, you know, unless they have that, it's really not a danger to most people to get COVID-19 and then to be essentially protected forever. Right. It's not a reason to go out and get COVID-19, but it is something to understand about how non-protective the uh, vaccines have been in the long run. Now, they do say that if you have natural immunity and then you get a shot on top of it, that you're more protected from serious disease if you get COVID. Now, the, I will just say on top of all of this, there is a physician in Canada who has been ousted from the hospital for even suggesting that somebody who already had COVID should did not need the second injection. She had already been injected once or he or whoever it was. And uh, the doctor said, you know, you've already had COVID. You, you don't need that second injection. And he got ousted. Now, he he has done a very interesting study of his own patients who because he was finding all this injury after vaccination in some of his patients, not all of his patients. So he decided to check all his patients going forward one week after they got the injection. So for the patients who were willing to be checked, he found that 62% of them um, had were positive for active clotting. So this is something that the spike protein does is it clots. 
And so it causes, it can cause clots. So 62% of his patients were actively clotting one week after the injection. And so he said, you know, that's not normal. You, you don't want to be clotting. And he thinks it's happening in the most microscopic places in, in the little itsy bitsy capillaries. And that's why he is seeing some of the damage that his patients are experiencing. But again, you know, 62%, there's the other 38% that aren't experiencing clotting. And so this can, this can explain a lot of things when you say, well, you know, I, I had the vaccine and didn't have any problems when people say that, right? Well, well, they might have been, you know, the 38% or whatever. But but I just for your for your audience to understand that that is something that he found by using the D-dimer test. And the only purpose of the D-dimer test is to check for active clotting. Hmm. Now, the other thing is, too, though somebody might not be having any problems, if there is a slight bit of clotting that could take years to manifest itself right i mean it it so it's not to say that four or five years from now if you have this ongoing in your system it has to have an impact in some way shape or form which obviously we won't know uh what that looks like for years but nonetheless it ought to be a concern and I think it's the extent of it. So one of his patients that he talked about on the video is a guy with arthritis who walked every week to his office a one mile to get his injection for that, right? But, but after he got the COVID shot, he can only walk a quarter of the distance. And he, then he's just like done. And, uh, and so he figures that it has, he's got so many little clots probably in his lungs and for that, I would suggest anybody out there, anybody listening to your program right now, write this down, Chronic COVID Treatment Center. Chronic COVID Treatment Center. Because they have a network of 100 doctors around the country, and they're trying to help people who are experiencing the after effects of COVID not being properly treated in the first place, and also the after effects of the vaccine both of them caused by the spike protein. The people with the vaccine are getting the spike protein because their own body is being forced to generate it uh, because that's what the messenger RNA that's being injected tells the body to do. And so it generates spike protein. Um, and then, of course, people who get COVID, it's the spike protein itself that is the, the cause of the damage. Now, an interesting thing about the immunity question is one of the reasons that they think that if you get COVID, you have natural immunity and it's way better is because it's immunity against the entirety of the uh, virus, whereas the vaccine is immunity only against the spike, just against those little pointy things, right, coming off. And so that's one of the reasons why it might not be the same type of immunity and why the immunity is waning. Mm. Well... I mean, there's so much. Name that website again, Chronic COVID. Okay, the, the, the name of the treatment center is treatment Chronic. Treatment center, I'm sorry. Chronic COVID Treatment Center. The website for going there is covidlonghaulers.com. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I would, can I just say to your listeners that if you're wondering what uh, information about the vaccine, the virus, the numbers, uh, legal options, early treatment. We've got three special pages, but you can all you can find them all at patienttoolbox.org. Patienttoolbox.org. 
You just need to check, you just need to click on coronavirus and you'll find those three pages. One having to do with the real risks of the vaccine, one having to do with early treatment, and one having to do with uh, COVID legal options. And so that's all at patienttoolbox.org. Great, great information. Twyla, I sure appreciate uh, the work that you and your team do. It is amazing. You have been an enormous help to so many people. And um, it is very encouraging to have a place that we can go to uh, to get um, the kind of information that certainly is not going to be disseminated through the state-run media. So um, we sure appreciate it. We thank you for the work that you're doing. And uh, we, we uh, just want to ask you one final thing. Is the billboard campaign going still going well? Are you still growing that? Yes, somebody in Alabama just contacted us and we'll be putting up a billboard uh, in Alabama. And we have probably about seven going up in uh, Texas. Um, there's interest in Nebraska and uh, Ohio, I think. And so it's just, you know, whoever contacts us and they say, you know, I want to put up your billboard and we will orchestrate that. We will make that happen. Um, or they get to get a bunch of people together to fund the billboard. So there's new ones going up in Wisconsin as well. So, so I'm very excited and I appreciate whatever your listeners have done to help get billboards up in their neck of the woods, because this is all about stopping the mandate, which would force all of us to take this injection, whether we want it or not. Mm. Great, great stuff. And we thank you, um, Twyla, for all that you're doing. Um, Twyla Brace, CCH Freedom, Citizens Council for Health Freedom, cchfreedom.org, cchfreedom.org. Twyla, thank you so much. We sure appreciate you being with us today. Thanks so much, Dan. God bless you and your work. We sure appreciate it. You too. All right. Uh, That was, again, Twyla Brace. She is the president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom, Freedom, and uh, we sure do appreciate all the work that she is doing, and I know you do. She has been a uh, regular contributor to our program for about 10 years or more. I think it's been actually more than that, but uh, close to it, and we are very, very grateful. And you can uh, give to Twyla by going to cchfreedom.org to our work. And I'm sure you'll find information on the website about participating in the billboard campaign. Um, I have talked uh, through email um, last night or this morning with Matt Staver about the mandatory vaccine issue. He said there's a lot to talk about. And he will come here uh, in the next couple of days to give us a legal perspective on what is happening there and how we can make sure that we stay in that fight as well. Um, Sure appreciate all of you. Thank you for all that you do for our ministry and so many others. We are grateful. Two more hours. Stay with us. We'll be back after this. We will never compromise our principles and standards We will never give away our freedom. We will never abandon our belief in God. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.
Ply Gym Windows, a cornerstone building brands company, is hiring in Peachtree City. Our people are the cornerstone of our success, providing building solutions for residential and commercial markets. We have opportunities for production associates, extrusion, maintenance technicians, pickers, packers, forklift operators, and shipping associates. New pay rates are $14 to $26.50 per hour, a $1,000 bonus, and benefits from day one. Text radio to 470-737-5199 to apply. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. We in America should be grateful to God for the blessings he's given us. Don't let anyone tell you that America's best days are behind her. We have got to fight for this nation because I believe with all my heart this nation is in fact one nation under God. Welcome back. Financial Issues, I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. Of course, this is the top of our second hour. We have our Ag Report coming up. And we also have FISM News. You can catch last night's news program. It is Tuesdays and Thursdays. In a couple of weeks, it's going to be every night, 7 o'clock, FISM.TV. But you can click click on it on our news site, FISM.TV slash news or FISM.TV, and just click on the news tab there, and you can uh, watch the half hour uh, of, of news and the headlines. And uh, Sam Case is with us uh, to give us an update on the news. What's going on, Sam? Hey there, Dan. So yesterday was President Joe Biden's big address to the nation where he announced the end of America's 20-year mission in Afghanistan. It was an oddly aggressive and defiant speech in something that he tried to spin as a win for his administration. He also attempted to defend the violent and deadly withdrawal effort by his administration, calling in the end the withdrawal an extraordinary success, which is kind of interesting based on the images we've seen coming out of there. Uh, In the speech, Biden did say he ultimately took responsibility for the decision after he blamed Donald Trump for putting the U.S. in a position uh, where it had to leave by May 1st, or so he said. And he said the other option would be to send tens of thousands of troops back to the region to fight the Taliban again, although he has not provided any of the intel to back up uh, that claim that he has been trotting out again and again to defend his his administration's decision. Uh, Addressing the Americans and the Afghan allies left behind, Biden said many had changed their minds to leave at the last minute, and that's why they got stranded. Uh, But he said there'll be no deadline to help them leave. He's saying the Taliban will help them with that process. Uh, And he did not address the billions of dollars in U.S. equipment left behind. And he also did not take questions from the press uh, as per the typical Biden speech goes. (laughs) Well, of course, uh, I don't know if you saw the open mic of Nancy Pelosi. Um, I did not, no. Yeah, the, saying uh, we we can't have him speak. No, I did, I did not see to, it. But it would, yeah, after watching or, this speech, it would not surprise and, me and, one uh, bit. Take questions. I mean, it was pretty, uh, 
pretty telling. I mean, Nancy's still calling a lot of the shots, that is for sure. But um, it, it is, I, you know, I find it ironic that with all that has happened, the reality of what is going on in Afghanistan, that any president, this president in particular, based on what's already happened, take a victory lap and talking about it. I think he would have been better off staying in the basement. I mean, it's, I, I, don't, I don't understand why he would do that. We, have any, we are already hearing about uh, killings, assassinations. Yes, um, one, of the soul, one of the Afghans on um, TV, uh, on Fox News, even talking about Americans that will be targeted and killed. I mean, it's a little early to be taking a victory lap because all of us are going to be replaying his snippet of his speech over and over and over again at the very first terrorist attack and uh, more of the uh, brutal um, nature of these radical terrorists. That's right, Dan. In a bizarre about this speech too is he said that we completed the mission we came to do which is to stop terrorism in the region which is a bizarre thing to say when a terrorist attack happened last week against americans where 13 americans died during this withdrawal effort so i thought that was a little bit of a bizarre thing to say as well his whole attitude was strange during the whole speech He, he almost seemed annoyed that he had to even talk about this. Uh, it, it was very bizarre. And if I could sum up the speech, it would, it would be that uh, it was a great success, except for the parts that weren't. But that was all Donald Trump and the Americans who got left behind fault. Uh, speaking yeah. of the Americans left behind, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby admitted we don't actually know how many are actually left behind. Uh, but he said the administration will be using diplomatic and ap- economic lanes to get them out, not military lanes. And he also said we have Americans stranded in countries all the time. So, again, it, it, it's kind of trying to downplay everything that's going on. Uh, there could also be thousands of green card holders stuck there as well. Uh, in, in a quick bit of good news before we go to the Ag Report, the Texas Heartbeat Act went into effect today. And this will prevent abortions from taking place once a baby's heartbeat can be heard in Texas. This accounts for 85% of abortions in the state. So 85% of abortions in the state will end as of today. The law also gives citizens the ability to sue providers violate this law. Uh, Of course, abortion advocates have filed an emergency injunction with the Supreme Court, but I'm not sure if that's going to go anywhere, especially considering the conservative majority on the court. If they do take it up, the abortion advocates might not get something they want. They might get the exact opposite. Yeah, that's really dangerous. That's really dangerous for them. Um, You know, trying to trying to take that to the Supreme Court. Uh, because then they could have an opportunity. We could have an opportunity of them setting a precedence that'll be used for years. So um, very interesting. Sam Case, FISM News. Sam, we sure appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you for being with us. Um, here comes Craig Haggard with our Ag Report. We'll this is Craig Haggard with your Financial Issues Ag Update for September 1st. A corn traded lower yesterday in the face of a trifecta of bad news. We had end-of-month selling... Pressure from the recent rains and uncertainty over the magnitude and time frame of New Orleans export terminal disruptions. All three combined to push market prices roughly $0.08 lower for the session. The same three factors which pushed corn lower also pressured the soybean market. 
Of the three, the spotlight was clearly on the expected slowdowns in the Gulf from Hurricane Ida. While they are still assessing the damage to export terminals that Ida's path crossed, what we do know is that one terminal is damaged and will take months to come back, while another is without power and will be so for a couple more weeks. The rest of the terminals are still assessing any damages that aren't readily apparent. As I record this, I know of only one facility that was given the all-clear-for-operation signal. Weather was also bearish, as over the past uh, couple of days, we've seen half to inch-and-a-half rains across portions of several western Corn Belt states. And this should aid in pod filling as the crop is in its final stages of development. Now, wheat was an extremely interesting uh, item yesterday. Uh, we had 5 million bushels put out for delivery in the Chicago futures market, and it's assumed that this wheat, with low falling numbers, and thus be unable to be used as milling quality wheat. Now, if that assumption is correct, one must also assume that nobody's going to want to stop this wheat unless the future spreads move out enough to give an acceptable rate of return on storage. We did see the Chicago futures move in that direction yesterday. There's been very little to no carrying into the grain markets the past year or so. In fact, we've had to deal with inverted markets at times. So if you have available storage on your farm and are holding on to some soft red winter wheat right now, I believe that your best return on that storage space is going to be to hold wheat and keep rolling it forward. Now, I fully understand that row crop harvest may dictate what you do with that space, but from strictly a pure business perspective, your best return on storage right now is found in storing wheat. I will also say that this is the case for Chicago futures. If you're trading Kansas City or Minneapolis-type wheat, the opportunity isn't nearly as solid as what we're seeing in Chicago. I apologize if this got into the weeds a little too much, but opportunities like this get my inner grain nerd all excited. Cotton broke out to the downside from their recent sideways trading range. At the finish, we had December futures 170 points lower, closing at 92.53. Livestock futures were lower straight across the board. At the close, October live cattle futures were $1.42.5 lower, while October feeder cattle were down a buck twenty at the closing bell. Lean hog futures lost ground as well, finishing the day $1.35 lower. Class 3 milk futures were able to stem the bleeding and finished slightly higher for the session. At the close, we had September futures up 9 points, settling at $16.75. And meat cutoff values were all lower for the day. Choice box beef ended the day 67 cents lower, closing at 342.11. Select boxes were down 52 cents, settling at 312.03. Pork carcass cutoff values slipped a bit as well. They closed down 71 cents, settling at $109.01 per hundredweight. This has been Craig Haugard with your Financial Issues Egg Update. We'll be right back with more financial issues. I'm a business owning meal prepping 24-7 super mom. But who is it nowadays? And for me, first day of school success begins at Office Depot Office Max, where everything my kids need to start the year strong is in one place, like a laptop for my high schooler, backpacks and notebooks for the little ones, and hand sanitizer for all of the above. I can even order things for my business. It's all available in-store and online at OfficeDepot.com and at low prices all season long. Office Depot Office Max, their business is to keep school going. Welcome back. Financial Issues. I'm Dan Celia. It's great to be here. We'll get the phone, 610-363-1110. I just want to mention that um, 
our Bible study, we are in the book of Galatians on Friday mornings. I mention it because um, the appropriateness of what Paul is speaking about to today is astounding, particularly particularly as he will we will be getting into chapter five and talking about our liberty in Christ, particularly as he's talking about the divine nature of God, free freedoms that we have to serve and that he shares. It is just on and on full of wisdom um, for the family of God. So uh, the justification and the account encounters with God's answering us about our faith that we find in just one book, one book of the 66 of the Bible. Uh, it is it is a great, great study, and you don't have to join us on Friday morning, but um, this is a great time to be going through the book of Galatians and, and, and probably Ephesians as well, as we, as we think of that. Um, it's all about the power of the cross. And um, we, we ought to know about the power of the cross so we can rest upon it. And I don't know about everybody, but I need rest upon something that is immovable, steadfast, unchangeable. I mean, I, I need that. I think we all need that. And it helps us keep our focus on where it needs to be. I would hope that it also helps us keep our focus on the fight that is ahead and the fight that we have to be in. Not that we should be in, not what, not what we might want to get in, not what we, oh, some need to get in, some don't, but to be able to keep up the fight. And uh, maybe foolish as this might be, I would say this, for all ministries in the country right now that are proclaiming the truth of God's word, proclaiming the truth of God's values in our life and in the life of the country, that remember this, remember this, that all that we have, we talked about this last week in our study, all that we have, is going to melt and be burned away. It's going to be worthless. It's going to be dust. It is going to be meaningless. People would say to me, I believe the end is here. It's going to happen any day within my lifetime, and I'm 75 years old. And if I were to, which I don't, if I were to say then you ought to be very well willing to give your wealth away now why it can have some good, uh, do some good for some great ministries. 
Did you hear that silence? That's what you'd hear. Yeah, that. We, we need to have a deep evaluation of what we hold dear. Man, do we need that, of what we hold dear. We need to make sure that our pastors understand that and are able to preach it and willing to preach it. Not able, we know they're able. Are they willing to preach it? Which brings me to America at a crossroads. America at a crossroads. Yvonne and I were saying last night, do we have room for people in our house? Who do we have room for? If we can get some of our friends out of the Ukraine when Russia takes it over. They're the kinds of things that we have to be maybe thinking about. It's going to happen. What's going to happen here to America? And are we willing to fight for it? But look, I just told you about Galatians and God's words and his promise and his steadfastness, the immovable nature and value that we have in the blood of Christ. Are, is your pastor preaching that? Is your pastor willing to not preach what itching ears want to hear, but to lead the sheep. You need to get them to the pastor's conference on September 12th at the Woodlands Resort. All you've got to do is go to financialissues.org, click America at the Crossroads, and click on it. Register your pastor and his wife. They get three nights at a magnificent resort. They get six meals and you can even give them gas money after you register them if you want for a registration price that is less than half of what would be the price of one night in a room. And they're going to have fellowship and teaching that is going to be motivational, that is going to be inspirational that is going to fire up a pastor for an America that we are facing today. You have to do it. Because all that we want, I know I got an email from somebody, well, we just got to pray and revive for revival. Who is it that is going to lead the revival? Who is it? We can't just pray for revival. We better be extremely specific because God is going to raise somebody up and we better be praying for that person. We better be praying for God to act now. And we better get as many pastors participating in that action. Be willing to be used as instruments of God. Be willing to participate and lead the sheep. It doesn't say push the sheep along. That's not how it was in ancient times. A shepherd led their sheep. When they went to a city for some R&R, a town or something a little bit bigger than a village where they could get a good night's sleep, they could have a decent meal and some fellowship with friends. When they got to that place, 
they needed something to do with their sheep. Towns like that had a stone wall most of the time uh, um, area which the shepherds could put their sheep overnight to protect them against the wolves and the thieves and all of that. And in the morning, the shepherd got up, went about his way, went into the stone pen and called his sheep. There wasn't any other sheep that came. They're not coming. They knew their shepherd's voice. And the shepherd left the pen calling his sheep with whatever he used as a call in his voice. And they followed him. And the only ones that came out were his sheep. They didn't have to worry about separating them. And then he walked and they followed. See, that's a leadership. That's leadership. Today, even the shepherds wouldn't do that. They drive their sheep wherever they want to go. Like they were driving cattle. We need shepherds from the pulpit willing to be the voice of God and to leave the sheep, lead the sheep in the pews. If you don't want to lead, I strongly suggest that you get out of the pulpit before the Lord spits you out of his mouth. I would suggest you leave before that happens. If you don't want to lead, that's fine. But don't pretend to be a leader. You're not helping the kingdom. And God despises your lukewarmness. I would suspect that you need to leave and just get cold or you leave or lead and get hot. And we're giving you an opportunity to begin to show you a little bit of what that looks like. It's a pastor's conference at the Woodlands Resort in the Woodlands, Texas. 45 minutes or so north of Houston. Get there. Get your pastor there. America at the Crossroads. Go to the website, financialissues.org. Click on America at the Crossroads. Register your pastor. Download the flyer. You can do that. Print it out. Give it to him. Say, here's where you need to go and be on September 12th. You need to be here. Or September, yes, September 12th. It starts on a Sunday evening. You'll be out of there, Pastor, by 11 o'clock on Wednesday. Please don't miss this opportunity. Um, These conferences are going on as they have the money to do it with some generous donors that are willing to continue to go. We don't know what that's going to look like. But I do know that this one is for real and it's going to be there. Make sure you get there. Don't wait. Oh, what'll come to my town? Maybe not. Maybe not. Financialissues.org. Click on, right on the right-hand side, the banner under the red banner of India Partners, right there. America at a crossroads. Make sure you do it. 610-363-1110. I want to thank you for all the people that are still uh, coming, coming with us to help us. 
uh, and to uh, hear my call that that we need your help. People like um, Jonathan from Florida and uh, Melissa from Arkansas. And, boy, there's a there's a long list here. Uh, we appreciate it so much, Cecilia. So grateful, so grateful. Roy, thank you, Roy. Thank you, John. Ply Gym Windows, a cornerstone building brands company, is hiring in Peachtree City. Our people are the cornerstone of our success, providing building solutions for residential and commercial markets. We have opportunities for production associates, extrusion, maintenance technicians, pickers, packers, forklift operators, and shipping associates. New pay rates are $14 to $26.50 per hour, a $1,000 bonus, and benefits from day one. Text radio to 470-737-5199 to apply. I also want to thank Elaine um, from Miami. Didn't know I, I I I don't know how she knows about us, but I'm grateful. I don't know. Am I on the air in Miami? I might be. I didn't didn't think I was, but if I'm not, maybe I'm. I am close, so maybe it's uh, she's hearing it. That is wonderful. Thank you, Elaine, uh, for your generosity. I appreciate it so much, and uh, it is a blessing. And also. Um, uh, Carly, uh, thank you from Indiana. So, so, so grateful, and I sure do appreciate it. Um, we'll give out a few more. Uh, Tammy and Connie from Kansas, and uh, Tammy was from Mississippi. Patty from Colorado. Uh, thank you, uh, Patty. Wow. Um, James from Illinois, so grateful. And uh, Brett from Arkansas. We'll continue to do this. I mean, we might do this all month long, but uh, I sure do uh, thank, thank you, and we'll, uh, we'll pick up on some of that. Um, we sure appreciate um, all of you that continue to bless us and, and uh, help us as we do the work that we're trying to do here at Financial Issues. Thank you for it. It is really, really a blessing. Let me go to phones. Let me go to Linda. Linda's calling us from California. Hi, Linda. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Hi. Well, I'm a partner, and I love your program, as you know. Yes. I'm an income investor, uh-huh. and I'm 66. My husband is 78, and he retired on a disability when he was 47. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to give you a little information. Okay. We have $30,000 in qualified money. Uh, when I worked, and then I have uh, two hundred seventy thousand in an IRA and twenty thousand dollars in cash, and that's that's our that's our okay. situation. I have uh, a broker that a long time ago, before I heard your program, he put me in two stocks, and Darlene. Um, listed them for you. Stock number one. I'm down 10% on it. I keep waiting for it to come up so that I could sell because I know it's not um, 
biblically responsible. And the other one, stock number two, is down 31%. And I'm in the same situation. I keep waiting for it to uh, go up uh, to sell. So since I am an income investor, how would you advise me on these? Should I hold them? Should I go ahead and sell now? Um, And then if I am to sell... Where would you suggest that I move the the money? Yeah, so I would probably move in uh, a little bit of a, at this point, of a different sector. Uh, So I would probably want you to look in the utility side of things, although I suspect you have a number of utilities and anything you put in there would be overweighted. If you want to stay in this particular sector, the energy sector, then I would go to uh, some that might be on the buy list um, in the energy sector, and some of them paying uh, some dividends. Now, the dividends on these stocks are pretty good, and the other option would be to continue to hold until you get a better opportunity to move it um, I don't think these companies are going away, but I would say this, I would be fearful of uh, at least Royal Dutch Shell anyway. I don't mind mentioning them because they're not biblically responsible and they're not on my list, but um, they're not, it's not biblically responsible, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a cut in dividend there in the next year or so if they continue to uh, struggle. Because the board is likely to say we can't continue to pay the dividend when we've got, you know, payroll and other expenses to meet. So I wouldn't be surprised. So I think if I had to pick one to sell, that would be the first one I would sell. And uh, you, I, yes, you're taking a, a, a bigger loss on that, but it's in a qualified, it's in a qualified account. And I would, I would move it probably to a, a uh, a more stable dividend producer, uh, like a like a utility. Do you, <clears throat> I have um, quite a bit in one particular utility? Uh, you recommended it, I think, twenty eighteen, and i i put I put all of the um, uh, allocation in that one utility when you recommended it. Um, it's um, a, uh, I don't, I can't remember the number of it, but um, uh, it is a, oh shoot, it, it oh gee, it's it a is, blue one. Yeah, yeah, I think I probably know which one it is. It's probably UT74. Um, yeah, it's an overseas one. yeah. Um, oh, that's not overseas, so it's not oh, that well, one. Oh, oh well, it's, it, it, um, well, I was going to say, yeah, it was one that you recommend, oh, gee, and I cannot remember what it is offhand. It's, it's okay. So, what kind of position, so is, do you have any other utilities other than that one that you have most, most in? I, I put it all in it, and, and that one uh, produces a big um, dividend. Um, yeah, that, is that, that you suggested? It, okay, yeah, the one that produces the big de- dividend 
is uh, likely UT um, 47 or maybe, um, yeah, it's probably UT 47, uh, I would I would suspect. And it's, it's a very large dividend, but the dividend on UT 74 is good as well. You know, I would think about still looking at a utility like a UT like a UT eighty two, that pays a decent uh, dividend. Uh, that would be that would be one you might want to consider. Um, or if you don't own UT forty seven, that would be the other one. But I would I would consider those not UT forty seven. I'm sorry. Um, uh, more in the in the UT seventy four, but. Uh, I think that would be your best bet, or if you want to diversify, I would look hard at the industrial materials, um, the ones that are blue on the the uh, buy list, and I would look at those. You're not going to replace the dividends of those other, and that's that's my concern. I don't know how close you are on income and how bad you need, um, you know, to replace that dollar for dollar. And I think that's going to be uh, hard to do. So if if it is very critically important that you stay uh, in the, you know, uh, keeping your dividend flow to supplement your income, then I would keep the two of them and uh, keep them until they stop paying the dividend and then and then sell them at that point. Um could why you know keep them now while you're still getting uh, the good dividend and and uh, sell them as soon as it happens. You know God knows your heart. He knows you don't want to. He he also knows. You know obviously you got in that before you knew all of this, and he knows your heart. And he knows you're going to sell it, and you want to move out of it. Um, and I would focus on that and probably ride it out a little bit longer if you can't afford to not get that same amount of dividend. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I I try to listen to your program every day. And like I told Darlene, we would love to come to one of your conferences, but because they're on the other side of the United States uh, with COVID, you know, we're concerned about flying and stuff, but um, we appreciate you so much. And, I have been fretting over these two stocks for quite a while now, and they've been really bothering me. And uh, I told my husband, I said, what do I do? We're so down on them. And he said, you need to call Dan. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you called. (laughs) Yeah. Tell him thanks for for passing the buck, tell him, I said. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again so Uh, much, Dan. And, and um, we we love you here in California. There, there's Thank a you. few of us, but anyway, yep. that's great. Okay, they, thank, thank you, you. Dan, again. All right, okay. all right. God bye. bless you. Thank you. Good you stuff. You too. Bye. Yeah. Oh yes. Bye. Um, six ten three six three eleven ten, and it's real. It's it's really hard, folks. And I w- I would just I would just say to you. You know, you got to hang on to those sometimes, even though they're not biblically responsible and God knows your heart. But um, we, we've got to think a little bit about our stewardship and moving forward and how all that works. I wouldn't keep them indefinitely, obviously, when you get the chance. Sometimes um, you, you've got to move in. 
on. I, I need to explain something to you before I go to break because I've got several emails about this. And the emails are going to turn into a frenzy here soon because things are getting worse and worse. Let me just explain something about biblically responsible and what I, what I do. There are all there, there is where I hope that none of us are naive to think that um, most companies don't have a certain amount of depravity in them because they have humans in them. There will always be a certain level of depravity and certain things that would be offensive to us as believers. But it does not impact how they make their money, the way they make it, and the way they spend it. When it impacts the way they make their money or the way they spend our money, meaning we own stock in that company, to our money, the way they spend it on those things, then they're no longer biblically responsible. But we've got to look at it very carefully where we will have nothing, but we've got to be realistic. We'll be back. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. The opinions and recommendations expressed by Dan are his own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Welcome back. 610-363-1110. 610-363-1110. Let me get back to phones and go to Nathan. Nathan's calling us from North Carolina. Hey, Nathan. Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank you for uh, your leadership right now with the turbid times and everything. Mm. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, my, my question uh, pertains to uh, getting VA benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I served in the military for five years and I got out in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. And so right now I've been uh, given the opportunity to resubmit a claim and to push forward another claim, but I'm kind of conflicted morally and everything that's happened in Afghanistan as of late and just kind of has bothered me deeply. And so I'm kind of looking for some clarity in this. If it's wrong or immoral is how it feels for me to accept benefits or anything from this administration when I feel like they've just done so much damage and just spit in the faces of people who have given so much? Or is it unwise not to take what what is offered, I guess? Yeah, I, I think that you, I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. You know, as a veteran and somebody that served, I, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to watch. All of this is very, very hard to watch. It's, it's really, really hard for me um, to be critical as I am. 
I mean, I'm, I, I, it's not hard enough for me to stop. I, I, I call, I call what I see, uh, regardless. And it's hard because it's not, it's not in my uh, nature. I don't want to do that. I, you know, I, uh, one of the, one of the greatest things that I had an opportunity to do was to, um, be in the service and, 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 uh, fight and protect and to, um, uphold the constitution in any possible way I could. And that was important to me. It was very important to me. Uh, and so I don't, I don't want to be uh, critical. I, uh, I credit the military to saving my physical life so that, uh, my, uh, Christ could save my spiritual life. So, <clears throat> but I know how you feel, but look, you did your time. Those benefits that are available were available long before Biden came into office. And um, the benefits that you're entitled to um, should not play any um, role in what is going on now uh, in in this service. <clears throat> also, we have got to remember that the vast, vast, vast majority of our brothers and sisters that are serving um, are doing it with a great deal of dignity and patriotism. And there's a lot we can't say the same of, but um, I'm an old guy, but I would pick up physical arms tomorrow and serve if I had to or was asked to. I, I, so I believe deeply in the country, and I would guess that you do too especially if you've served and you've seen uh, uh, other parts of the world. And those benefits were created and are there for uh, those members who have served faithfully, and you should not hesitate to take advantage of those. It means nothing uh, as much as I love the service and uh, am grateful for what they did for me, uh, it doesn't mean I have to be grateful to the now president and commander-in-chief of our armed forces as he continues to minimize them and make them weaker and weaker and weaker and thinks for a moment that we are going to have any kind of peace by loving everybody into submission and giving them lots of money. Um, it's, you know, it, it, but we, we can't help the stupidity of others and we we shouldn't allow that to keep us from from what we've uh, earned. So I I think that you should not fret over taking those. You can take those benefits and still be disgusted with the goings ons of what is going on right now. You can still be disgusted with that as you should be, but it shouldn't prevent you from taking the benefits. That's just my okay. opinion. That's how I yeah, feel. 
thank thank you for that. I I, I appreciate just just hearing that. It definitely provides clarity and kind of. No, I'm glad. I'm glad, Nathan. Um, I appreciate your service, brother. Thank you. And thank you. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, listening, being a part of our program today. Thank you so much. I'm glad you called. Thank you. You have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, you know, we need to have it. It is hard. It is hard. It is really hard. Dan, um, I'm really glad that you said that. It reminds me of the fact that even though we're in an administration that uh, we here at the ministry certainly don't like, there's still some good in this country, you know, and, and you, you say it at the second hour intro every time we hear that at, you know, 10 o'clock that we, we need to fight for this country. And yeah. it's, it's a good reminder from that, from that last caller that there is still some good. There is. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of good, and as long as it's here. Yeah. And we are still um, under the grace of God. We need to, you know, we need to know that, remember that. And, and boy, what we don't want to do is disseminate a message that the left has already disseminated and started agreeing that, you know, military, might, strength, service to country is evil. Yeah. Um. It isn't. It's the reason why some of those spineless weasels are in office. That's right. And um, so, you know, we don't want to, we got to be careful that uh, we don't want anybody, nobody that has ever served to have an attitude. You remember me saying a couple of days ago when I was talking about um, the, the surrender and part of my uh, monologue there in the beginning of the program was if you are one of the brave men and women that serve this country or you are a family member of one of those brave men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice, don't you dare, don't you dare be discouraged by these spineless weasels and what is going on. And don't you dare be ashamed and and uh, any less full of uh, pride for the service that you uh, have given to all of us. And, you know, we need to always uh, keep some clarity. And yes, there are spineless in every walk of life. The military is no different, but they are perpetuating, the, the administration is perpetuating the need to stand down, to be weak, to, um, you know, uh, 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 be, be a different kind of military. We're not going to love people into submission. Um, God, God knew that. And, um, you know, I think that what happened in Afghanistan saved lives for 20 years. That hotbed of terrorism would have continued to wreak havoc on the Eurozone and on America as they would have grown in strength and have been a hotbed for planning and plotting against the infidels. That's us. That's the Eurozone. That's anybody that is not bowing down to Islam. So we, we literally... The American soldiers that fought there and died there literally saved 
countless lives. We won't know until we get to glory how many lives they saved, but they saved countless lives over the last 20 years in what didn't happen because of their presence and their fighting over there. That the terrorists walked around in fear knowing that they may get blown to pieces at any minute if they are found out. And it deterred an awful lot of what could have been. And again, they will know in glory exactly what they did, but they saved a lot of lives, and we need to be incredibly grateful. And they need to have a good, a good, not a, not a, not the bad kind of um, depraved pride, but a good sense of pride that uh, for what they did, and they need to understand that and know that. And the shameful part of all of it to me was what I just said wasn't said by the President of the United States before this withdrawal began. Shameful. And you know what's shameful? He never even thought about it. And neither did his handlers that that was the case. Um, for everything that they did from the loss of life in this, in this uh, withdrawal to leaving uh, great military dogs over there, not bringing them home either. I mean, that sounds like a silly thing. Not to me, it isn't. They saved a lot of lives of a lot of soldiers. All right. If you got to leave us, you have a great day. More financial issues. Another hour right after this. Jesus said, go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Take up the cross. Follow me. It's not your money I want. I want your heart. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go, and for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. It's Wednesday, September 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. we got something a little different today. I know you've heard of Edgar Allan Poe. Of course you've heard of Edgar. It's Edgar Allan Poe. Of course you've heard of him. 
You're probably familiar with The Raven and, and possibly even some of Poe's other works. But what you may not have realized is that Edgar Allan Poe can offer insight on business and financial issues. I was not aware of this, uh, but it's something that comes up in the brand new book, Poe for Your Problems, Uncommon Advice from History's Least Likely Self-Help Guru. And I'm very happy to be joined by the author, Catherine Babb-McGuera, who joins me from her home in Richmond. Thanks so much for being here. So glad to be here. So by way of disclosure, you're, we work together, although mm-hmm. we work for the same company. Our, our paths don't actually cross all that much in terms of what we each do. You are a copywriter for our company, but you've been mm-hmm. a writer on the side for years. You've written for CNBC, Playboy, Slate. And my experience with writers is that writers have their favorites for one reason or another. They look to writers who really resonate with them. And so before we get into the book, um, I am curious, what was the moment when you looked at Edgar Allan Poe and you said, this is my guy? Perhaps unsurprisingly, it was a pretty dark moment in my own life, Um, a moment uh, I was extremely depressed. And for the first time since I was a kid, I got the idea to read Edgar Allan Poe. And when I came back to it as an adult, I saw something completely different than I had when I was a child. It was that his dark stories of torture and the Spanish Inquisition and whatnot, they were metaphors for the pain of the human condition. And he had so much psychological insight that he'd never really gotten credit for, at least uh, that I had seen. So he drew me in that way. And I kind of discovered a writer I never knew. Well, and there are plenty of things in your book that I never knew about Poe. And one of them is something that has been a very hot topic in the business world for the last five to eight years. And that is the gig economy. And that was one which I and probably a lot of other people just thought, oh, yeah, the gig economy. This is a new thing. This is one of the, you know, Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and all these businesses. And this is. This is this new thing. And one of the things I discovered in your book is that, no, the gig economy has been around for a long time. And like Poe was right there in the center of it all. Yeah, we think of it as a new development, but Poe's life teaches us that the gig economy has been around for a very long time. Much of his career was him being a freelancer, not having a staff job. And we even know the rates that he earned for his freelance contributions. Some of the most famous stories and poems, uh, for instance, The Raven, he earned $9 in 19th century dollars uh, for that poem. And while in a way, that's kind of a depressing message in that (laughs) the rates were quite low, it also has the potential for us to feel less alone and those of us who do this today. And I mean, actually, he was quite good at what he did. He managed to publish extremely widely and to adapt himself to this strange marketplace of the time. Well, that's another part that I love, which is that, you know, he has his passion. He has the things that he himself enjoys writing and they're not really selling. And so, you know, part part of what Poe does is essentially go where the work is. It's like, oh, you want stories about ghosts? All right. All right. Let me bang out a few of those. Absolutely. And while we tend to think that the marketplace corrupts art, 
it actually can be true that it makes you better. What made Poe a great writer was writing for the marketplace, writing for the widest possible audience and not for some elite. I think that's why his work survives today, because he wrote in commercial genres that we still enjoy. You mentioned the the money. And when you when you start to put the numbers together, it really is incredible that someone whose work outlived him by centuries now, all told in today's dollars, all of the evidence points to he made a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like that was the full amount in today's dollars. That's the full amount of what he got paid. Um, what stands out to you in terms of that? Like, like, are there, are there financial lessons you can take away from that? Because this was, you know, uh, it, it, Edgar Allan Poe is one of those people who would have made a great fictional character if he weren't a real person himself. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I think maybe the first thing that jumps out at me is that you're playing a long game. No matter what business you're in, you can't necessarily look over the next three to five months or even three to five years, but look out to the much longer term. I mean, Poe is a much more widely read author today, even than he was in his own lifetime. And he's been dead for 17 decades. Um, I think it also shows us the potential when you work in popular mediums, say popular mediums today, like YouTube videos or TikTok or Twitch. He was writing in the version of those things in his own day. And it shows that those things can endure. One of the things I was struck by was, um, you know, because there are there are points in his life where he's trying to get ahead and, you know, does something that, uh, you know, a lot of us have done from time to time, which was he, he sort of embellished his resume. Although in Post case, he, you know, in some cases just sort of flat out lied. But that's another thing that, you know, to go back to the gig economy where it's, you know, we think it's this new thing. Uh, the the saying in Silicon Valley for decades has been fake it till you make it. So the, like part of what he's trying to do in his time is is essentially that where he's like, I've got the talent. I just need to get past the hiring process. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. When in his quasi cover letters, Poe vastly inflated his experience in the magazine industry when he was trying to get his first editorial jobs. And later, when he wanted to launch his own magazine, he, <laughs> again, vastly inflated his contributions to the workplaces he'd already been. For instance, he said that he said to one would-be investor, I increased subscriptions to this magazine 700%. And scholars have since discovered it was more like 40%, less eye-popping, still good. But it's just like an investor presentation today where the numbers are a little bit cooked. Um, in, in many cases, or they're presented out of context. Uh, anyway, it's nothing new. And maybe it shows us that self-promotion is essential. You know, we live in a chaotic information age, just like Poe did. And to stand out, sometimes you have to puff yourself up a bit. Are there instances in his life where he's, you know, trying to get ahead, whether it's locking down a particular job or even starting his own business where there are obvious reasons why he can't get it done? Yeah, and I think this is another one that's familiar today. Uh, just as when you want to launch a business today, you may need venture capital, some kind of investment dollars. It was no different for Poe. The reason he never could pull off his great professional dream of launching his own magazine was he just couldn't nail down the VC. 
so I mentioned uh, you're in Richmond and you can go up and down the East Coast. In fact, the majority of the East Coast from Boston to Philly to Baltimore, Richmond, Charleston, South Carolina, there are all of these cities that claim Edgar Allan Poe in some way, shape or form. Um, there are businesses in those cities that are built around him and his work, um, which is pretty incredible when you start to learn more about him and you know some of his behavior, some of his habits, not that great, not really the exemplary figure that you would necessarily want to build a business around. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think there are all these cities and all of these businesses within the cities that are built around this guy? I think it's because he was a genius who was working in commercial genres that we still understand today. And that's why he translates so easy, easily to TV and film adaptations, even to there are Poe themed restaurants. There's a small chain of Poe themed restaurants. You find Poe t-shirts for sale at Hot Topic, Poe books at Urban Outfitters. Uh, and it's really because he wrote for the marketplace. It's not because he ignored it. He wasn't able to ignore it. He couldn't afford to ignore it. And in some ways, he hated having to cater to it, but he catered to it so successfully that we still enjoy him. We read him for pleasure. And how many 19th century authors can you say that about? I mean, to the point that in Baltimore, they have the NFL team named after one of his poems. There's no other NFL team or any sports team anywhere named after a poem. Have you been to one of those restaurants before? I have not, no. I, oh, well, I, actually, I have been to Post Pub in Richmond. There's also the little independent. And I've been to a number of the Poe-themed bars in Philadelphia. Poe-themed bar. Yeah, again, uh, like, uh, you know, other than maybe Shakespeare, I'm not, I'm not sure which writers from centuries past are, you know, are having restaurants and pubs built around them. Uh, the book is Poe for Your Problems, Uncommon Advice from History's Least Likely self-help guru it is out next week but you can pre-order it now on amazon and we'll put the link in the episode description so people can check it out and i i know i said this to you a few weeks ago but i'm going to say it again for the dozens of listeners people are going to buy this book for themselves but this is one of those books that people are going to buy as a gift because you know they're going to look around at their family or their circle of friends and recognize like oh yeah that's yeah that's the person in my life who's going to love this book so uh anyway Kat, i know you're in high demand this week so thanks for making the time really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been a lot of fun as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's going to do it for this edition of market story the show's mixed by dan boyd I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. Remember, the market is closed on Monday, so we'll see you next week on Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. School year has begun. 
New hopes, new worries, new subjects, new exams and a new set of A-level students gearing up for university life. This summer, more A and A-star grades were awarded to sixth form pupils than ever before. (gasps) (laughs) It was harder than what it would have been if you actually sat exams and came into school all the time, yeah. I've done really well, like, I've exceeded my own expectations in all three of my subjects, so I'm just really proud. I got two A's and an A-star, so I'm off to Nottingham University now. I'm just really happy. <laughs> but success was not the only story across the board. Black pupils, those receiving free school meals and students from deprived backgrounds all achieved lower results this year than before the pandemic, meaning the achievement gap between them and other students has widened. How are some colleges bucking this trend? My old school, Brampton Manor Academy, by all measures should be struggling to get their students into elite universities. Most students there are from ethnically diverse backgrounds, receive free school meals and will be the first in their family to attend university. And yet, they sent 55 pupils to Oxford and Cambridge this year, more than Eton. I was in Brampton's first sixth form cohort And before we had those grades, staff and students had ambition. Many of my own classmates made it to Russell Group Uni through sheer determination, including 6am starts and navigating an application process many of us had no knowledge of beforehand. So, how are state schools like Brampton Manor breaking the vicious cycle of poverty so many of their pupils are born into? Can these success stories be replicated across the UK? And should we even be using university education as a measure of social mobility? Hello, I'm Shingi Mayarike and welcome to the Sky News Daily Podcast. Born and bred in Newham as well, like me. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Mohsen Ismail is the principal of Newham Collegiate Sixth Form about 15 minutes down the road from Brampton, but in a similar academic stratosphere. But interestingly, my, my dad moved to London from up north. He moved to Caledonian Road, which is literally, I think, about three streets away from the NCS. So um, it's interesting that over the time we haven't moved very far. And I think that connection with the community, you have a sense that you want to make sure that it's done properly and right. You see yourself in these young people who are from Newham and the same hopes and ambitions and desires that my parents had for me. It's almost as though you're seeing that same level of dedication from their parents and and they're entrusting me now and my staff and this school with educating their children and giving them the opportunities that my parents were able to give to me through, through education. 30 of his students will be heading off to Oxford and Cambridge this year, and so far, nine have been accepted into Ivy League universities in the States. Amazing results made even more surprising by the backdrop they're happening against. More than half of children in Newham are living in households judged to be in poverty, and the borough comes out top of the class in London for rates of eviction and rates of those living in temporary accommodation. The NTS is predominantly disadvantaged young people. As you know, Newham is the second most deprived borough in London. Predominantly Asian, so Pakistani, Indian, Bangladeshi form about 97% to 98% of the, the cohort. The purpose of the school was ultimately to take very able students who have aspirations to go to some of the best universities in the country, but also to, uh, to, to send them there, uh, or try our best to get to go there. But more importantly than that, I think it's about giving them this idea of a holistic education, which pairs them to be able to compete with their more privileged peers, not only when they get a university degree, but applying for jobs at some of the best 
firms in the country. And I think that's something that I found that you can have a really good degree from Russell Group University and you think that you've made it in that sense and therefore you're guaranteed a job just by virtue of having a good uh, academic background. But then you realise there's a whole nother level of scrutiny, if you like, or hoops you have to jump through and things like you know how you dress or how you speak or how you carry yourself, even though no one's ever explicitly said that to you. And then people can make decisions about how they want to navigate this. And this is, I guess, a knowledge deficit that we tend to have by virtue of being born into the kind of environments that we are not having the connections with, with people who work in these industries. And talk me through some of the particular ways in which you addressed those knowledge deficits because I guess if you're preparing people to go to Oxford and Cambridge and some of the top Russell Group unis there are things in those environments that are not quite like the things in Europe so what are some of the practical things you do to help your students prepare for life at the top institutions? I think we do a lot of things around demystifying Oxbridge uh, and I think Oxbridge has changed significantly over the last four or five years just by virtue of the number of people who start looking like our young people going there. And, you know, you've seen the press headlines uh, around that, which is great. Um, I think the second thing is uh, we take every single student to Cambridge University on the first day um, and they have academic lectures. They go and visit some of the, the colleges. We have a large number of teachers who are Oxbridge graduates themselves teaching at the NCS. So again, that helps. Um, and I think it's also my role as well to say, well, why not you? And constantly challenge those perceptions that young people from Newham shouldn't be going to those places. But then also we have sort of masterclasses, tutorials, mimicking an Oxbridge interview and an Oxbridge tutorial so young people can become comfortable in that environment. And then there's the whole thing about preparing for Oxbridge. Uh, the students who get a, an offer, we get alumni to, to come in and talk about surviving your Oxbridge year, for example, and you know, the key issues about, you know, for us, you, you, you have lots of students who don't drink uh, and that might be, you know, how do you navigate Freshers' Fair, for example, in the first couple of weeks when everyone say, let's go to the pub um, and let's go and socialise and let's do that. If you are of Muslim faith, you may decide that that's not something that you want to do. So how do you navigate that and how do you deal with that? And then you mentioned also there are elements of support you give to people for when they go into the workplace. Talk us through, through those. Yeah, again, that starts with um, identifying key aspects of getting a job that young people are from Newham in East London are going to struggle with. So for example, basic things like assessment centres, how to navigate that, assessment tests, how to make sure that you, you, you do really well in those. And then interview prep and things that, you know, common interview questions, how you should be tackling them, how you should be dealing with them. We even go into detail about, um, you know, how you should dress. So for example, things that you should not be wearing at an interview. But we've also done things like etiquettes and polish. We've also done fine dining. I still remember my first dining experience at a law firm and having all the cutlery laid out. I wasn't part of my culture, I didn't know where to start. So even things like things as basic as that, we, we, we teach young people so they don't have to go through some of the difficulties that I did when I ended up in that, in that place. Talk me through some of the offers. I know it's hard to choose. They're all your students, but some of the offers that stand out to you and, you know, some of the students or moments where you turned around and said, this is an incredible moment where someone is just, you know, gone from Newham or wherever it may be to an Ivy League or Oxbridge or wherever it may be. I think there was someone last year for me. His name's uh, Lennox Keeble. And Lennox was somebody who would be waiting for me at the front door of the school and I tend to get in about quarter to seven, sometimes even earlier. This young man, literally from year 12 all the way through to year 13, was every single day, he was, he was there. And he got an offer to go to um, 
Princeton and he got an offer to go to um, MIT. So two offers and four scholarships of £250,000. And, and I like that story because all the students keep saying, oh, Lennox is the smartest kid in the school. And Lennox is smart, he really is. But what they don't see what I saw, which was somebody who was there before anyone else, even before the head teacher of the school. And he worked his socks off and he became smart. And I think young people sometimes forget that the, the grit, the determination to become exceptional at what you want to do. You mentioned there grit, determination, and we've, we've talked about this issue a little, but talk me through the barriers that some of your students are overcoming to get to places like MIT, Princeton. You know, poverty brings a whole host of problems, cramped accommodation. Um, we've had students who would, are on the verge of being evicted or their family have been evicted. You have parents who sometimes are working two, three jobs to support their, their kids and, and maybe not around as, as, uh, as often as they would like to be because they're trying to put food on the table. I still remember say, uh, a young man, I asked him again, some quite similar to Lennox, who would turn up really early, secured really good results, went to a really good university. I said, what, 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 what motivates you? And he said, uh, poverty motivates me. And I said, tell me more about that. And he said, well, seeing my mum, single parent, get up in the morning, not sometimes not have enough money to pay for the things I want. I wake up and make sure that I don't want to live in that kind of lifestyle anymore. And I want to support my, my, my mum and my, my family. The teachers that we've, we have at the NCS are remarkable individuals. You know, when I think about the amount of discretionary effort they put in, the way that they support the young people, when I see them do their jobs, they are inspiring. And, and I always say to them, well, I, I wish I had you as my teachers when I was growing up because they are phenomenal. When you're serving young people from less privileged backgrounds, the job doesn't stop at the age of 18 when they go to university. There is a whole host of other obstacles that they face. It's almost as though we're always there in the background um, as, you, as you're going through your... And whenever you need us, you can come back home if you like so we can support you. And it's interesting, some students come in and I saw one using the printer the other day. I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I'll just come to use the printer. I said, you like those kids who leave home and come to use the washing machine. Coming up, I speak to the UK's first professor of social mobility about whether this story of improvement is similar across the country and why he thinks vocational routes to work are looked down on. Dr Lee Elliott Major is the UK's first professor of social mobility. Again, my 16-year-old daughter says to me, um, when people say he's the leading professor, so she says, Dad, that's because you're the only one. You know, it's like, you're also the worst professor. <laughs> Over the last few years, we've seen the success of a number of London inner city academies, where I'm from in Newham, and other parts of the country in terms of university acceptance. And I wanted to just ask you, are those success stories indicative of a wider closing of the gap between private school and state school attainments or are these schools still exceptions do you reckon you know i think they're amazing exceptions and, and I, I think that they're they're you know what they're doing is is absolutely transformative but you know the history of education is littered with um occasional success stories or single schools or six forms that turn things around what what we've always failed to do is to have sustainable success or scalable success so that you know 
you might have one of these sixth forms in every town, every part of the country. Uh, these are definitely exceptions to the rule. And, you know, sadly, if we're talking about elite universities in particular, you know, we've seen that the gap between, for example, private school uh, students and state school students has remained stark despite all these efforts by me and others. Uh, and that's remained the same sort of gap um, over recent decades. And I think, and sorry to depress you on this, I think the pandemic has exacerbated those inequalities further. So these are definitely exceptions, amazing as they are, uh, they go against the overall trend. And that, aside from being depressing, I guess, is also, you know, to me suggests that we've been in this position for years and years. There are just imbalances that, despite some ex exceptions to rules and great schools, are always going to exist. Is it fair to say that or am I being a bit too negative? You know, the narrative tends to be dominated by plucking a few lucky, very talented young people um, away from where they come. And then they go on to top universities, including Oxbridge, etc. And these are amazing stories. But, you know, the point here is it's not necessarily about earning lots of money. It's not necessarily about being famous. It's about having a successful and I would say decent life. And that means being able to afford your own living, being able to have a family. You know, I'm, I'm of the view that if we don't tackle these issues, it might take another generation. But, you know, we will store up even greater problems. The success stories we've been looking at have been London-centric. I imagine it would be even harder to achieve academic success if you lived in, I don't know, somewhere like Sunderland or Blackpool, for example. Social mobility chances differ by where you live. It's not just who you're born to, it's where you live that, that essentially determines your life prospects. And so when you look at, you know, attainment gaps at age 16, for example between poorer children and the rest in the southwest of the country or the northeast compared to London. London is the success story in many ways. And there's all sorts of debates about why that is. But the thing is, what you, when, you, when you go and look at these schools and you talk to the children, you realise that there are some very aspirational young people in London, often who come from families who've come to the country in recent generations and see education as a way, a way of getting out, you know, poverty. And then when you visit other areas of the country, and I think you have to be careful here with generalisations, but, you know, certainly in other parts of the country I visit, you find other children and um, they come from families where the parents had a bad time at school, where the grandparents, if they're still around, had a bad time at school. So you get this sort of multi-generational attitude that, that says you know schools aren't aren't for me and and to be honest I don't think for many young people there are the vocational options alongside the academic ones that we have at the moment so you know we're focusing here on the few that make it through the academic stream if you like mm -hmm. and uh, what are the prospects like for people who don't have good experiences in the school system it sounds like using university acceptance as a measure of social mobility is maybe oversimplifying things a little bit do you think yeah i mean i think social mobility is it should be that your background shouldn't determine what you do in life and how your potential is fulfilled whatever that potential is and it's quite right that we focus on elite universities because they are so transformative. You know, you look at who 
gets into the top jobs, who shape society in this country, then a lot of them will be graduates from uh, Russell Group universities. And so, you know, if you want to change society, then, yeah, you know, I think that's one route. But, you know, in many ways, the bigger problem is the half of young people who don't have the structured uh, pathways. You know, some people call it the royal route of university because, that you know, you get, and I've seen this with my children, you know, I've got a 16, 18 year old. It's so easy to go with that flow of let's go to sixth form, uh, let's stay at school, then you go to, you apply, there's a central admission system. You know, I'm not saying it isn't difficult. And these stories you're talking about are amazing success stories because they're getting the very top of the hierarchy in all this. But if you go through the other route, there's no there's no pathway, right? There's no there's no support when you need it most. So it's important university, but it's certainly not everything. Why are we sometimes overlooking those more vocational pathways and routes into work? I still think that we suffer from a class system in in this country. It's more subtle than it was before, and there's all sorts of debates that you can get involved in. What do we mean by social class? But I think you know we still have um, a, a sort of inverted snobbery again. You know against more vocational routes. We still look down on those people, even though many of the most successful people in our country are often cr more creative types, for example. We have a school system that really in, has, has been inherited by class system, really, that showed that that, that that education system originally was designed to create elites, basically, to, to rule the country and the world. And we've never really let go of that, um, that model to me, one thing that stood out in my own university experience and that of others like me was the mental pressure it takes to just stay afloat and exist among people who have had far more comfortable lives than you and enjoy the kind of you know discussion and seminar and the back and forth that happened at the breakfast table, their dinner table. That is surely another thing we need to address, just how hard it is to to adapt to these spaces. What, what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on, on that, particularly because we're talking about A-level success earlier? You know, I call myself an awkward climber and there's a there's many awkward climbers out there. Uh, you climb the ladder, but you don't quite feel at home where you are, but you've lost the world you came from. And there's a lot of people like that. And we're driven because we're constantly trying to reaffirm ourselves. I would say you've got to challenge some of the dominant cultures in, in some of these uh, places, in universities and, and, and the workplace. I totally get the fact that you've got to play the game, if you like. Make explicit those tacit rules that often rule the middle classes. You know, it's often the things we don't know. And I'm still learning to this day the way you put things, you know, when you're going for dinner or all, all this sort of stuff. I, I would speak to others, share your share your load, I suppose. Uh, combine your your strengths together. You're, you're not you're not on your own would be my message. A Department of Education spokesperson told Sky News that since 2011, disadvantaged pupils had narrowed the gap with their peers at every stage of education up until the pandemic, but admitted more needed to be done. They said they're providing £14 billion of funding for schools over three years and have championed technical education by expanding T-levels, supporting business to take on apprentices and created the Lifetime Skills Guarantee. They said for all levels of learning and apprenticeships, earnings rise five years after study. In 2018, 
the government launched the Opportunity Northeast programme to try and tackle those geographical disparities Lee was talking about. Thank you, Mosin and Dr. Lee Elliott Major for their time. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Sky News Daily podcast presented by me, Shingi Marike, and produced by Lauren Pinkney. See you next time and feel free to leave a review and subscribe if you've enjoyed this episode. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on, you can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24 7 customer support and specialists to help with hard to find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers, you're putting back a few drinks, a few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to another episode of the Off Night Podcast. I am your host, Mado. Glad to be back on the show. This episode is being brought to you by Speaker. You can start your own podcast just like this by using Speaker as your new podcast host for as less than for as for as low as um, um, six ninety nine per month. Um, so you can get your podcast started with Speaker. All you got to do is uh, click on the link in the description of this podcast, wherever you may be listening, um, and get started on your podcast and get your podcast and hosting plan. Underway, so you can start uh, hosting your podcast today, tomorrow, or whenever, whenever you're ready. Um, and again, that is with Speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, we heard the news. Cam Newton has been released by the New England Patriots. He has been uh, with maybe less than two weeks before the season, before the NFL regular season starts. Although I, I think Cam would say he don't want anybody to feel sorry for him. I do feel a little bit sorry for Cam because going into this, going into the season, he got. We signed. Um, they did draft Mac Jones at 15 overall, if I'm not mistaken. They did, you know, it, it, everything was leaning towards it was Cam Newton was going to end up, Cam Newton was going to be the starter uh, for the New England Patriots. And then probably eventually Mac Jones would end up being the starter of the future. Um, and I think Cam, Cam, I think Cam had a decent idea of that, but at least he was going to be at a start this year. Um, that has not happened. He has been released. Mac Jones is now the starter quarterback for the New England Patriots. And, um, yeah, it is what it is. Now, I don't want to turn this into a race thing whatsoever, so I won't even speak on that. Um, I do like Mac Jones. I see what the Patriots see in him. I think they re- it, he, Mac Jones resembles some of the things that they did offensively, like Tom Brady, when Tom Brady was there. So I see what they like in him. Um, 
releasing. I, I, I even understand releasing uh, Cam Newton because you don't want that veteran presence hovering over that young guy to uh, put more pressure on him as a rookie quarterback. He's already a rookie quarterback to begin with. Now, and I do know the NFL is business. Now, let's get into where Cam should end up next. Um, because I do think Cam deserves to be a quarterback in his league. He should not be on the free agent. He should not be a free agent in the NFL right now. I think he's he's far more better than that. He's far more talented than that. He's still talented than that. He's not a 2015 MVP um, that we saw back in 2015 um, that made it to the Super Bowl. But yet and still, he's still a productive quarterback. He's still probably one of the be- one of the top 30, maybe even the top 20 or 25. Um, but with that being said. There are there are there are very many situations where Cam could probably be a starter in this league right away, but there are some situations where there may be a good situation for Cam Newton, and I want to go through those. I like Cam Newton backing up Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys. Right now they got Cooper Rush, right? Cooper Rush couldn't tie Cam Newton's shoes right now. You understand what I'm saying? I like the idea of Cam Newton going. He's going to be a high energy guy. He's going to be an optimistic guy. He's going to be around Dak. Um, everybody knows that Dak is the starting quarterback. Dak is coming off an injury, um, which 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 actually leaves him vulnerable to re-injury. Let's be honest about it. And Cam Newton would be uh, a great person to step in and, and run that offense if if that happens. Um, so I like and the Cowboys totally believe that they are a, a team that they believe that they are a playoff caliber team. They believe they probably are. Well, if, if, you, if you talk to Cowboy fans, they think they're a Super Bowl, Super Bowl caliber, caliber team. But we will see. But I, I believe that too as well. I believe they are a playoff caliber team when healthy. Um, they believe that their defense has improved since last year. We will see. But I like Cam Newton in that spot. A backup role is safe. Uh, the team is likely to be a winning team, a winning situation. Dak Prescott is, sub, is subject to re-injury. So Cam Newton may have an opportunity there. Also like Cam with the Washington football team, also in the same division. He can reunite with his head coach, Ron Rivera. Right now, Washington's going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's in. He's. Uh, I, I, I honestly think that Cam Newton's a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And let's just say Ryan Fitzpatrick does, quote-unquote, Ryan Fitzpatrick things. You can go right to Cam Newton because Washington football team is another team that thinks that they have a defense, they have a team that um, they're going to shake some things up this year. They believe they have a chance to make the playoffs and possibly win the NFC East. So I like Cam in that situation. I think he's more likely to start because it wouldn't cause an injury. A Ryan Fitzpatrick injury wouldn't be the only way Cam Newton can, can get behind the center. Um, one or two bad games from Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they'll be ready to go to Cam Newton um, in the following week. Another team I like Cam Newton with is the Denver Broncos. He, first of all, he will reunite with his offensive coordinator, Mike Shula, Mike Shula was the offensive coordinator for the uh, 2015 Panthers, the, the same 2015 Panthers that won, where he won the MVP, the same 2015 Panthers that made it to the uh, Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos. So there should be some, some, you know, some, some. There's some good energy there. There's some success there. There's some, uh, um, and, and it wasn't just Cam and Mike Shula, um, but there's some, there's some camaraderie there. There's something that you can build on, something you can build towards. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is the guy there right now. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the idea of Cam Newton going in there and being the backup role at least until necessarily needed, and possibly taking that team, another team that believe that they can do some things, make some noise in the AFC. So, honorable mention, I would say the Miami Dolphins. Right, check this out. The Miami Dolphins 
to me, seems like they're one foot in, one foot out with Tua. Tua Tungaloa. I hope I said his name right. They seems like they're one foot in, one foot out, right? Um, I think if you if you have Cam in that situation, let's just say Tua begins to struggle. Miami's another team that believes that they can shake some things up in the AFC. You have Cam there. You don't have to regress into a a, a quarterback with that doesn't have that much that much experience. You go from you go from Tua. You can go to a Cam Newton, a veteran, a proven winner, um, and a guy we know can play the quarterback position, and he has for uh, multiple for for double digit years in the NFL. Um, it's just a safer backup. Cam right now will be the safest backup for most teams in the NFL right now. But the honorable mention, Miami's more of a long shot. I think they, I think they, I think they're one foot in, one foot out with Tua. But we will see. But Cowboys, Washington football team, and Denver Broncos, I think those are the best options for Cam Newton to to um to. I think those are the best teams that Cam Newton could possibly go to and actually get a chance to uh, and actually be and actually add to the team. Um and po- and in their possibly a possible winning situation. I think the Cowboys might be the more sure thing of a winning situation, but Washington feels good about the team. Denver feels good about the team. So, but we will see. But, um, as, again, Cam Newton, I don't think he wants anybody to feel sorry for him. In fact, instead of worrying about where Cam Newton wants to play next, does Cam Newton even has any more love for the NFL? Does he desire this anymore? He's played for as many years as he has. He's made so much money. Does he even desire this? Does he want to do something else with his life? That's another question that we need to ask. Does he even want to do this? right? And if he does, I like him on either of those three teams um, going into the 2021-2022 season. So, I'm over and I'm out of here, man. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Off of the Off Night Podcast. Off Night Radio is coming back real, real soon. And um, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review on whatever pack and whatever whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. It will be greatly appreciated. And make sure you make take care of our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by Speaker. Spreaker is where you can go and get your podcast hosting service. I use Spreaker as my podcast hosting services. Why not you? You can uh, get a podcast hosting services for as low as six ninety nine a month. That's seven bucks a month. You can start a podcast just like this one. So don't forget to uh, take care of our sponsor. I'll have the link in the description so you can take care of your business. I'm over and I'm out of here, man. See you guys next time. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back. We've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. It's time to go in for a moment. You think of calling for a ride. <laughs> nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's. Forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.
please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.